you are interested in the power of the mind and its ability to help you heal and transform your life, then you have come to the right episode. Today, I have Ben Ahrens with me who has the most incredible story to share with you today. You are going to find this very empowering and will remind you of what you are truly capable of. Ben is a chronic illness recovery expert, TEDx speaker, neuroplasticity coach, and co-founder of ReOrigin. I want to welcome you to the Mindset Change Podcast, and I'm your mindset coach, Paul Shepard. Are you serious and ready for a powerful mindset change? Then if you have not already hit subscribe, please do, as it's a show of commitment to yourself so you don't miss any more episodes. And if you'd like to find out more about my online coaching groups or working with me one-to-one, then please get in contact with me in the show notes. And Ben, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Paul, for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm really... I'm, do you know, it's one of these things, I get approached by a lot of people to come on the show as guests, which is great for me because I get to filter through who would be a great guest. And uh, when I saw your details pop up, I checked you out, I saw your TEDx uh, speech, and I thought, I have to have this guy come on the show because your story is so incredible. And I think it would inspire a lot of hope in, I think, many of the listeners who are wondering, do they really have the ability to help themselves heal or or do they see their future selves as, you know, someone who's always going to have certain conditions, et cetera? Um, so could you tell listeners what happened to you? And then we'll go from there. Sure. So I would just back it up a, a few years to say that I was always really interested and fascinated with how the human being and the human body could change. I was working as a, a um, athletic trainer uh, in my early 20s. And um, then in my mid-20s, something happened that I couldn't really figure out with just my mechanistic way of going about it. Basically, I went from being this young athlete myself to being bedbound for three years. And this happened fairly quickly. <laughs> uh, went to upwards of 30 different doctors trying to get this and that diagnosis. And of course, the more you look, the more you find and found some pretty scary information, uh, you know, dysregulated heart, uh, heart rate, um, dysautonomia, brain lesions. Uh, I, my brain looked like an Alzheimer's patient at age 25. Uh, so very strange things were happening neurologically and physiologically. Um, and it turned out to be a really, really bad case of chronic Lyme disease compounded with other infections and a lot of lifestyle stuff that in retrospect became apparent to me. But the short of it is that for three years, I found myself in this really up and downhill battle, um, where I felt utterly stuck, seemed like anything I pursued, anything I did would only dig me deeper into the, into the hole. And it wasn't until I started actually shifting at first the mindset, but then started to adopt some really, really simple practices that I could use to what I now know to be interrupt patterns of chronic inflammation and reactivity within my body. And I can certainly get into what some of these are. I'm sure that sure. that's uh, where some of the conversation will go. But uh, step by step and slowly but surely, um, I was effectively able to retrain my brain to rebalance my immune system, rebalance my bodily functions, and ultimately 
resume full health after about 18 months or so and get back into full-time work and then uh, just continue to, to go from there. And at that point, my mind was even more blown than it previous was on what the human being and the human body is, mm-hmm. is truly capable of. And so I've now dedicated myself to researching neuroscience and uh, creating programs and courses and communities that can help people to uh, take these these kinds of steps to retrain their brain to ultimately reclaim their own health. I mean, that's it's, it's such a powerful set of events. But what I'm really interested in is why didn't you just follow the doctors, you know, the medical physicians, the experts, you know, point of view, their their advice? What made you? It's almost a sense of rebellion. What what, what happened there? Well, yeah, I certainly did. That's where I started. And I think like so many people, unfortunately, experience um, modern medicine has its incredible gifts and abilities when it comes to especially things like emergency medicine. Um, It also has its limitations when it comes to complex chronic conditions uh, that are not so linear, not so easy to understand or or easy to treat. Um, And so I did start off going down the mainstream road. um, And ultimately, when I kept getting met with with resistance, I had to look elsewhere. And it's almost like in some ways it found me in the, the TEDx talk that you mentioned, the, the title of that talk is actually One Deep Breath, because it refers to this fairly pivotal moment that I had in my healing journey where I was feeling utterly stuck in every sense of the word. And there was really, it seemed like nothing that I could do. And it's almost like some higher wisdom in this moment took over and just prompted my body to take a deep breath and to sigh this sigh of relief. Mm. And on the other side of that sigh, I found something for just a split second that I hadn't experienced in years, maybe even in my whole life. And it was a little fraction of a second long moment of calm and peace and clarity. And then it was over and I was back in panic, back in fight or flight mode, but something remained, which is that experience. And I said, what was that? You know, how can I, how can I recreate that? And so I made this conscious practice of every time I started feeling uh, in that, in that state of fight or flight, whether it was just the physical tension state or emotionally distraught, I would pause and I would take this one deep breath and I would find myself fairly reliably arrive at that little tiny second of peace on the other side. And the more I practiced this, interestingly, the longer I could stay in that little moment, uh, the more frequently it would occur. But the really fascinating thing that happened was that some of my cognitive symptoms, brain fog, exhaustion, uh, inflammation, arthritis, some of these actual symptoms started to calm down. And I now know how the brain can control can control or lead to inflammatory processes in the body. And I didn't know it at the time, but essentially what I believe I was doing was actually interrupting some vicious cycles of reactivity within the body um, and allowing the body's natural anti-inflammatory mechanisms to come back online. And so as I started to regain some cognitive <laughs> uh, bandwidth, I was able to... Um, start researching what was happening. What, what was this experience that I was, that I was um, having? And it led me down the road of um, taking courses online at UC Berkeley in um, neuroscience and neurobiology, immunology, 
um, learning about the, what well, at the time, this was over 10 years ago, the emerging field of neuroplasticity and how we could actually deliberately make changes to our brain, which mm. then downstream change how our body functions. And so I started doing this initially haphazardly, but then a little bit more strategically. And I started to acquire different tools. Um, and it, it just, yeah, became a fascinating uh, snowball of an adventure. So to answer your question, I definitely started with the mainstream, but yeah. when when met with continuous dead ends, it's almost like water flowing around a rock. You have to keep going somewhere. And this is where my journey led me. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Something you said struck me just then because I had a very similar experience. But what, what, where did you think that advice came from, that wisdom, that intuition to take that deep breath? you know, higher power or your own, um, your own self, where do you think that might've come from? Because that was such a pivotal moment for you. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I like to call it the body's innate intelligence system. It okay. is a sort of higher power. It's a, it's a wisdom that the body has or mm. an ability that the body has. And I think we can look at it in different ways. You know, there's certainly the mystical way to view it in my mind. It's, it has a lot to do with nature. I, I've always been fascinated of looking deep into nature and looking at patterns. And um, we can see that nature has a certain intelligence. All you need to do is look at the veins of a leaf or the structure of uh, you know, a flower or um, you name it. There's these incredibly complex structures and there are these reasons, this, this information that determines um, how every cell in the body should perform and function. There's a reason why we have five fingers instead of six fingers. Mm. Um, it has to do with some higher level information that I don't think anyone truly understands. At the same time, I don't think anyone could really argue that it's there because it simply is, you know, what um, uh, some would call the Tao or scientists mm. would call emergence. Um, it simply is a way that guides all living processes. Yeah. I, the reason I, I mentioned it was because and I agree with you, and I love the uh, you know, the term the body's own intelligence, because when I had an anxiety disorder, um, I got to the point where I was going to give up. But in that moment, I was going to give up. I was weighing up my options. This voice, this feeling came through me that said, you're looking at it the wrong way around. And I felt guided then to look at it, what I was going through more holistically instead of just trying to change my thinking. So, and that that was the pivotal point for me. I, I think looking back at this, um, Anxiety was uh, a condition. I, you mentioned lifestyles. My lifestyle was quite poor in places um, and wasn't going to be sustainable. Um, and just looking at things holistically created a whole change, a whole chain of events. What's well, led me to having this conversation with you today. Um, do you think you were woken up to something? Because it's, look at where you are now with uh, Reorigin and uh, your career path and how you're helping so many people. How do you look back at what you experienced? Was it an awakening or are you grateful for that now? Or how's, what's your mindset around that? Oh, sure. Of course, you know, when you're going through something, it's extremely challenging. Um, in retrospect, it's, it's uh, quite amazing, to be honest, how, how things seem to line up and put themselves in your path uh, so that they, they become tools in a way you never could have predicted uh, while you were going through it. Um, 
I, I certainly see it as, as an awakening. And it's actually an interesting, you know, perspective and kind of topic because one of the things that we we talk about when we're talking about neuroplasticity and this this brain retraining type approach, and even this goes back to the question that you just asked about uh, you know, what was it that prompted that deep breath? Mm. Um, I think it's, there's something really fundamental in the human being and the human body and just in nature in general, that is order, that is proper function, that is harmony. We even know from a scientific basis, we call this in the body homeostasis. Nobody mm. does homeostasis. It's not something that you do. It's something that naturally happens, um, when there's no interference taking place. And I think, it also ties into the previous point about, you know, um, the experience and, and, and certain shortcomings with Western medicine is that I think Western medicine really views health and, and the human being as, as a, an additional, an add-on process, right? A process of what else can we add? What other medicines mm-hmm. do you need to take? What, what other supplements, what other treatments are going to get you there? And so it's this notion that we're sick until, until proven healthy, until, until made healthy or whole by the doctor or the supplement or something from the outside. And the sort of awakening or realization that I had through uh, neuroscience is this idea of of innate self-organization and that the body is actually uh, naturally in a state of completeness. It has a propensity to function in a way that's harmonious. Like we said, homeostasis is the term. Um, And by that logic, health and healing becomes a subtractive process, not thinking, what more can I add to get healthy, but what more can I take away in order to allow that natural state of health and harmony to emerge? And so my mind started going in this direction and thinking, okay, well, if health is the natural state, and I started studying other modalities of Eastern medicine and European biological medicine that all you know resonate this concept. Um, and then naturally, of course, the question came up, you know, if health is the natural state, if order is the natural state, then why am I so sick, right? Why, am, why is there such chaos going on in my body and in my mind? And as I learned, you know, the brain's first order of business is protection and survival. The brain's second order of business is efficiency. And one of the things it does to operate more efficiently is it learns, it learns from past events in order to protect us in the future. And this is called con- conditioning. And so sometimes what can happen is if we've gone through prolonged periods of stress or illness or anxiety, the brain can basically learn that this is the new response that's kind of required for, to handle this situation. And then even when that situation has passed, whether it's a physical pathogen that's come in and gone out of the body or a traumatic event, the brain has already learned because this conditioning event has taken place that it needs to stay in this ramped up state, mm-hmm. um, which leads to dysautonomia, dysregulation of the nervous system, which has all of these different downstream effects, like in my case, inflammation, sensitivities to light, sound, food, chemicals, you name it. Um, and I think there's there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that are, that are stuck in these states. And it the, the reason it becomes so challenging for Western medicine to tackle is because it expresses itself so differently in so many different people, right? For some person, it could be more emotional uh, dysregulation. For someone else, it could be more surface level tension and anxiety. For someone else, it could be chemical or, or electromagnetic sensitivities. Um, in my case, it would seem like a combination of all of these things. Mm. Um, but when this happens, I think the, the big realization for, for me was that 
that natural state, that natural ability of the body to self-organize and to self-heal, it's still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's not like my body turned on me. It just is operating according to obsolete information. And at this point, I need to turn to the brain to give it the give it the new message, give it the update that actually you're safe, you still have the capacity. Um, and once it gets that sort of memo and you condition it in, we can talk about how to do that. Mm. Um, then the brain, the, the body can just resume what it does best, which is self-heal. No, I love what you're saying. And um, just, just to add to that. So when we, go, when we go into rest and digest, which is when the brain knows we're safe, that's when we, we trigger our natural healing abilities. But did you add something else to that? Because yes, obviously we're, we're triggering the natural healing ability of the body. It can't really do that if we're in a state of hypervigilance, which is what a lot of anxiety and stress uh, does for us. Um, and I think society colludes, whether that we're building our Western culture, especially, uh, colludes to put a lot of stress um, onto, the, onto our minds and bodies. Um, but did you do anything on top of that to give it direction to was there a visualization of healing? What was your, what would be a process that would someone listening to this could be maybe practicing today? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And so you raise a really important point. So, you know, part of the neuroplasticity training, there's really two uh, aspects to it or two sort of benefits that occur when you retrain your brain. And I, I will get into what that actually mm -hmm. looks like. Um, the first thing that we want to do is like you mentioned, we want to transition out of fight or flight and into parasympathetic or rest and digest. So by doing that, we're kind of reducing the total stress load on the nervous system, what's known as the allostatic load. So this is obviously a good thing to do. You know, this is where things like breath work, meditation, anything that helps you calm the nervous system, NSDR, I saw you did, um, uh, an episode on that. Um, yeah. You know, any, any tools or techniques that can help to both calm the nervous system and also elevate mood to shift the body's chemistry um, are going to be very, very beneficial for just helping us shift into that parasympathetic state, which we know places the body in a much more resource efficient um, place to be. Now, the other thing that we want to do, and this really cuts to the core of what is actually meant by neuroplasticity training or specific brain retraining is that the brain's the brain is always making associations between two things inputs and outputs so an input might be i mean you you name it on my on my desk i have a blue rock right it could be okay. something as benign as this now let's imagine that you know we're both seeing this blue rock or for anyone that's just listening i'm holding up a blue stone that i keep on my desk for me, I keep this blue stone on my desk because I picked this up uh, when I was on a vacation and it has this, this sort of meaning behind it. It reminds me of this time when I was very relaxed. And so simply by looking at or holding this rock in my hand, that's an input that my brain has and it will produce a learned output. And the output is a relaxation response because that is what was conditioned with this, the meaning of this stone. Um, now, someone else, if I had thrown this stone and it hit someone in the head, for example, every time they saw this stone, we're both looking at the same thing, mind you, they might have the exact opposite um, experience than I'm having. Well, I have the relaxation response, they have the, the survival reflex, the fight or flight response or flinch. So in virtue of our past experience, our nervous system, our brain, our limbic system 
is always changing its outputs uh, depending on what's been conditioned there prior. So when it comes to these, what's known as self-perpetuating inflammatory conditions, somewhere down the line, the brain and body have learned that uh, symptoms themselves are dangerous and that experiences of stress or tension, um, although certainly unpleasant, um, it's actually taken it an extra step and, and sees them as threats. And when it does that, it starts to respond with more agitation, with more stress hormones, which leads to more symptoms, which leads to more agitation and stress hormones, which leads to more symptoms. And round and round it goes. So on the one hand, yes, we want to use any you know tool or exercise we can to just on a global level, calm the system. But then more specifically, we want to start to get in and actually change the brain's associations. And this is done through, through a therapy known as reprocessing. We want to allow the brain to reprocess those old, even if they're unpleasant sensations, but um, basically condition in a new response, one that's more advantageous to that parasympathetic state. And this can be done with respect to anything from like the stone I just mentioned mm -hmm. to um, some foods, to things like chemicals, um, even to certain responses to pathogens. And this research actually goes back to the 1970s. There was a paper written in 71, I believe, called Conditioned Immunosuppression, where rats were given an injection of sugar water combined with a, a virus. And as you would expect, they had the immune response every time. This was done four or five times as the conditioning event. And then they were just given the injection of sugar water with no trace of the virus. And interestingly enough, their immune systems still put out the same exact immune response as if they were getting reinfected, even though it was a totally benign substance, right? So this shows that it goes beyond just what we normally think of as mindset. It's not a conscious process. It's like we say in our program, it's not psychological, it's neurological. It's actually learned by the deepest part of the brain and the brain stem, this limbic system. Mm. Um, fortunately, the same way that the limbic system can learn these responses, it can also learn different reactions and different responses. And that is a conscious process that we can implement. Excellent. So what would, be an, what would be an example of a conscious process that you could implement? What would be what would be the use of that for someone listening to this? Yeah, sure. So, mm. you know, first thing is uh, it is helpful to just globally calm the nervous system. Um, so in our program, uh, we have a program called Reorigin, which is a, a community-based program with um, education on self-directed neuroplasticity. And essentially it starts with awareness and understanding. Um, tuning in to your body's current sensations and what might be triggering them. Then the next step we get into is starting to interrupt and replace those responses with a new response. So uh, I'll, I'll give you an example here of how I actually put this into practice as I was sure. regaining my health. While I was uh, recovering, I was um, extremely sensitive to a lot of things, light, sound, um, it seemed like everything would trigger me. And, um, I, when I started getting back to work part-time at first, I, I, I had, I had a sales job. <laughs> so the phone in my office would ring like 50 times a day. And every time the phone rang, I would have almost a panic attack. I would have like tachycardia. My heart mm. would start racing. My palms would sweat. My pupils would dilate. It was like a full on anxiety attack. And so I, just by tuning in, I realized, okay, there's something going on here between that ringing phone and my 
brain and nervous system and body, you know, responding in this way. So I said, okay, I'm going to try something as an experiment. I had gotten some results using the deep breath, using some relaxation and, you know, some, some pattern interrupts. So I started to see this as a pattern, you know, phone rings, this reaction happens. So the rule that I set for myself was the next time the phone rings, uh, instead of just answering it in that panicked state, I'm going to take pause. I'm going to take my one deep breath. I'm going to push myself back from the desk and change my posture, you know, sitting back into my chair, put a smile on my face, <laughs> and then I'm going to pick up the phone. So the whole thing takes just three seconds, but it's this shift. It's a conscious shift in how I'm using my body, my sensations, my facial expression, my posture, my breathing, um, and my intention. And I started doing that and nothing really happened, but I made it this sort of game. You know, I said, okay, every time the phone rings, I'm going to, I'm going to, this, this is a, a practice. And right away I started seeing the, the, the ringing phone no longer as a, as a threat, but as an opportunity to, to practice this new type of response. But then after about a week and a half is when the, the really interesting thing happened. I remember one day, particularly I came into the office and the phone rang and not only did I not have a panic attack, but I actually found that my shoulders dropped down, my breath sank into my belly, a smile came to my face, and that ringing phone had now been transformed from a threat into a trigger for relaxation. Wow. So that is sort of at the core of neuroplasticity. It's making a new association with the same input. And this can be done with events, with past traumas or memories. It can be done with physical substances in some cases, like chemicals and foods. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there's there's virtually seems like no limit to how our brains can change and how those downstream responses can ultimately change our experience and even our health. And I'm absolutely with you 100%. But do you get a lot of skepticism about what you're saying? In other words, you know, I'm with you on the power of the mind. Um, and, and again, it's, it's something that I, I geek out on it, you know, it's because it's a big passion of mine. But also I'm aware that some people will say, well, look at what you're saying and say, how could it get rid of an allergy? How can my mind change an allergy or a pathogen or um, a condition like Lyme disease, which obviously what your experience is evidence that that can be done. But have you met, been met with a lot of resistance? Some, but you know, I think mm. that most of the people that come to uh, our brain retraining program are in a place where they are ready for this. They've okay. probably tried other routes. Um, and it's interesting if I trace back in my own mind, my own journey, because I came from that place. I had a very mechanistic way of thinking. I went to school for mechanical engineering, and if I couldn't see the mechanism, I didn't want to know about it. You know, it didn't, didn't make sense to me. And, um, what I learned was that, uh, you know, health and healing is really a nonlinear process. And it really comes down to, like we said, kind of getting out of our own way. And in this case, oftentimes what gets in our way is previous uh, conditioned states. So old neural pathways, old patterns in the brain that are defaulting to what was pr probably once a, uh, you know, a, a positive response, once a, a survival mechanism that was, that was offering some benefit, but it's simply no longer, you know, leading to a good place. Um, and so I think one of the biggest hurdles for people to get over when they're initially learning about this and the idea of, of self-directed 
brain retraining or neuroplasticity is okay, but how does the brain, you know, how does my thoughts heal, heal my body? And I actually don't believe what we're doing is that linear. It goes back to what we were talking about before that I believe it's, it's the body's natural healing process. You know, one, one doctor that was said something pretty pivotal along my journey that really got me thinking in this direction uh, when I had gone the route of very, very powerful medications and treatments and IVs and antibiotics, he said, you know what, Ben, at the end of the day, no medicine, whether pharmaceutical or supplement will ever be as powerful or as potent as your body's own immune system. And that was like, oh shit, <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, so that kind of changed the game for me because then it transitioned from seeking or finding that medicine outside myself to what can I do to optimize or support or allow the immune system to do what it does best. And so looking at it from that perspective, it isn't really that the, your thoughts are changing your, your body or your thoughts are, mm. are, you know, getting you recovered from Lyme or whatever pathogen it's, it's that you, your thoughts are interrupting old patterns that are inhibiting your body's natural healing processes. Subtle, but very important difference. I, I absolutely agree with you on that. You know, as I said, if your body's in a state of, of, of stress or hypervigilance from a thought process, then it can't do its job. Um, what I wanted to go back to um, something else you mentioned um, about um, your, the, um, it was about medication. That was right. Um, you know, we're living in a world where um, ADHD is on the rise, um, or diagnosis on the rise, and we have anxiety on the rise, stress on the rise, um, and people are often. And, you know, quite sadly, a lot of my clients get, uh, you know, approach me and say they've just been offered pills by their, by their doctor. Um, what advice would you give to someone that's just been pushed pills towards them? And on another note, why do you think there is such a rise in people struggling with their mental and physical health? Sure. Yeah, I think there's... Um two questions here. We'll start with the, the medication. You know, I, uh, I'll definitely say that, um, there's certainly a time and a place, uh, for, for medication. You know, like we mentioned when it comes to Western medicine experts, when it comes to emergencies, right? If you have a broken leg or something, don't do brain retraining right away, go and get the leg fixed. You know, if you need surgery, go get surgery. Um, I think, there are places where brain retraining and things can help down the line, but there's very obvious use cases for conventional medicine. And I think the same applies to medications as well. Um, I think what we want to be a little bit wary of, and what I think a lot of people are awakening to is that if we start or when we start to use things like medications, um, as a perpetual crutch that isn't really solving or getting at the root of the issue, um, and in some cases or, or in some ways can even enable the persistence of the issue. Um, that's something that we want to, I think, take a step back from. And again, I think there's certainly a time and a place for, for medication. I think medication and lifestyle and brain retraining can go hand in hand. Mm. Um, but I do believe in, in the body's incredible ability to, to self-heal. And... Um, you know, again, very different different cases. I'll, I'll give you one one concrete example of when medication makes a ton of sense. An uncle of mine 
um, had his thyroid removed, right? So he was no longer producing certain hormones. And so he had to take a, a thyroid replacement uh, supplement uh, prescribed by, by doctors. And so that was, uh, you know, something that obviously he, he needed that because his body was no longer producing it, um, in, internally. Um, but so long, so far as our bodies do have the capacity to, to heal and to come back online, I think we absolutely want to emphasize that, you know, one, one quote, that's a favorite of mine that we use in the program is by uh, Albert Einstein. He said, it's not about finding the solution but undoing the basis of the problem. And I think that cuts to the core of the apple here because in Western medicine, we're very trained to, to perpetually find or, or search for more solutions, not realizing that we can actually just undo the basis of the problem. That's such a great quote. I'm going to have to uh, remember that one. And why do you think we're, why do you think there's such a rise at the moment in people struggling with their mental and physical health? I think, you know, the, the European biological medicine model uh, explains it really well. Actually, they put up this, uh, what they call the barrel analogy, where it's basically, you know, they show a picture of a barrel and they show all these different things filling it up. Um, and the human being, I just have to say, has an incredible capacity to adapt to stress and to change. Um, but that capacity can be exceeded. And so... In biological medicine, what they show kind of can fill this barrel is things like uh, past traumas, stressful events, um, sleepless nights, uh, toxicity, you know, uh, poor diet, nutrition, mental cognitive overload, uh, pathogens, of course, really anything. They don't view each of these things as the problem in and of itself. They view the total load, the accumulation of total load as, as, the, as the issue. Even in my own case, I now see, understand what happened for me is that um, it wasn't, you know, the, the, the Lyme, which is a Borrelia bacterial infection, um, I, I really see that as just the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. But the camel's back probably wouldn't have broken if it wasn't already carrying this, this incredibly heavy load of all of these other things that hadn't been tended to in my life. And so in that way, you know, it really was the greatest gift because it shone the spotlight on things that needed to be addressed and that I then was able to address. Um, and so, you know, to answer your question, why are so many people, you know, struggling with these sorts of chronic reactive type conditions or ADD, trouble focusing, cognitive issues, burnout, anxiety, depression, um, I think we are more overloaded than ever before. Um, I think the capacity of our barrels has diminished a, a little bit mm. because of the way we are uh, functioning in, in modern society. Um, I think that, uh, um, yeah, we there's, there's um, again, two ways to approach this. We can start putting less things in the barrel, but we can also poke holes in it and start to you know, allow things to drain out. And that would be sort of akin to this, you know, brain retraining approach, relaxation methods, mindset training. Um, all of these things can help to create more flow so that yes, we can handle certain things, but at the same time, uh, we don't get overwhelmed and bogged down by them. And actually just, you know, to, to really hit this point home, um, there was a doctor of biological medicine, Dr. Thomas Rao, gave a talk in the Marion Institute in Massachusetts I attended years ago. And this was another kind of pivotal uh, realization I had was when he mentioned that if you start pulling people off the streets and testing them for 
for even Lime, like just going with that one, um, uh, you know, example. He said in certain areas of the Northeast, uh, roughly 40% of people will, will test positive. Out of that, far less than 2% would actually get what he calls Lyme disease, which means symptomatic expression. And we know this statistically speaking, if a cold virus, common cold, you know, breathes through a room of say 10 people, that statistically speaking, three of them would get sick and symptomatic while seven of them don't. The reason for that, again, this is not a linear reason. This is not something that modern medicine can look at and say, this is, you know, this is why. Uh, I really believe it goes back to that kind of total load. So um, yeah, why are people experiencing, why are we seeing these, these rise of anxiety, depression, and chronic conditions? Um, I think more and more people more and more people's barrels are, are getting more full than ever before. And I think for that reason, it's more important than ever before to find tools and find ways to reduce that total load. Absolutely with you hundred percent on that. And it's, that's a fascinating um, example of, you know, with the Lyme disease of something that for some people it triggers something and other people, it just stays doing nothing within the body. It reminds me of, you know, in regards to why more people might be struggling. Um, I've been listening to uh, Johan Harry's uh, latest book, uh, Stolen Focus. And one of the things that he's pointing mm. out repeatedly through the book, because have you, have, you, have you listened to it or heard it? Or? I read uh, Lost Connections when that came out. Ah, that, yeah. that was brilliant. That yeah, is I such a good book. This one. Uh, I'd really recommend it because what he's pointing out is um, whilst we can meditate and it's really important for us to to, you know, to do breath work and to take pressure off of our nervous systems. We need to do something at a society, uh, within society to change the level of pressure coming at us. Um, you know, work expectations, uh, which takes us out of flow. Uh, you know, we're constantly interrupted by various types of uh, tech, which, you know, you could turn off all your notifications. I think he talks about this in the book, but there's a whole stream of marketers, uh, you know, and engineers working out how to get you hooked back on the device that they, um, that mm -hmm. they want you to get, you know, the, you know, the app or the, you know, your email. Um, there's a lot going on to try and make you hooked back into buying or using their product. The same with, with food. Um, and there's so much pressure uh, coming from different sources. Um, I feel for us because... It takes a lot to actually step back and and to do the work. And I think part of us also, because we don't do the work with ourselves, and I think what you're doing is really important, um, we're more likely to collude with the apps and the devices and the, the junk food um, side of things because we just want to feel better within ourselves. And that can be a quick and easy route to move away from the difficulties of our, our, our thoughts and feelings. And it sounds like you're helping people manage those thoughts, helping to, to create a different relationship with their thoughts and feelings. Yes. And I think you raise a really good point, which is about um, the, the attention and how challenging it is more than ever before. Uh, to reclaim our focus, to reclaim our attention. You know, as the saying goes, uh, mindfulness is easy, but remembering to be mindful is difficult. <laughs> and in our community, you know, the, the actual, when you get down to it, the act of what I call doing neuroplasticity, that's to say using brain retraining exercises, granted, there's a fair bit of nuance to it, just like riding a bike or learning to drive a car. You have to learn what, what this does and what that does. But once you get down to it, it's 
very much like, like riding a bike. It's not difficult. It's just, um, not easy to remember, to be reminded. And Mm -hmm. for that, I think the, I won't say solution, but the direction that I've seen work for a lot of people. And I think we want to head more into is, is community is surrounding ourselves with people who are thinking and feeling and behaving in the same way. And perhaps most importantly, um, committed to the same, uh, to the same direction, committed to the same beliefs. And that's where we see, you know, people really start to, to break free from, from those, uh, you know, past beliefs or, or thoughts that, and feelings that you, man, I know what it's like to feel stuck, mm-hmm. you know, really, really stuck. Um, and one of the things that can really help to start move the needle is seeing other people take steps and then getting those small wins and taking those small steps yourself. Um, but I agreed, you know, with what you just mentioned, I think in this day and age, it's, uh, becoming a little bit harder to do that on our own because the powers that be the big tech companies, um, are kind of working, uh, with an agenda that doesn't really align with our highest well-being. Do you know, I think you said, you've mentioned something very powerful there and that is community and, and, I, and I've seen that. I, I have an exercising community. Uh, I'm building a community uh, with this podcast. Um, is how by being surrounded by the right people can support you in regards to being making it easier to make those changes. And you have a community within Reorigin, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And it's it's very um, so. It's all uh, well. Somewhat ironically, it's app-based, web-based. Um, I think we can use these tools. These are just sort of rails. We can use these rails with intention or we can let them run away with us, right? So Absolutely. we're using it with a lot of intention that we've created the community, even the way the app functions, the way the course is disseminated throughout the platform. It's all in alignment with, uh, with neuroplasticity and with the science of small wins um, and with helping people to like I mentioned in my TED talk, uh, never look at what you're trying to avoid. Keep looking forward. Keep taking steps. It doesn't matter how many times you fall down as long as you just get back up and take another step. And so kind of in alignment with these neurocognitive principles, um, you know, we're, I think, using the technology um, to people's benefit. I agree with you. You know, we're using technology now. Um People listening to this podcast will be using technology, but it's having a, a, an intention with it that moves you off of autopilot um, and away from um, elements of it which aren't going to be so helpful. Um, you've been an amazing guest. Thank you very much. I could I could talk to you for ages. There's so much I wanted to ask you. Um, <laughs> where can people find out more about Reorigin and yourself? Uh, where can they get in contact? Yeah, sure. So people can go to reorigin.com. It's spelled out with a dash. So it's re-origin.com. Um, and we're on YouTube at reorigin and all the socials. And then that's the best place. You can uh, submit, submit an email on the website and our contact form. And I see all of those myself. So I always welcome questions or, or comments or, yeah, really, um, if people are trying to see if this is something that would be interesting for them. We also offer uh, free calls, which are live uh, small group calls with myself, mm-hmm. um, where I really show people inside the community how it works, how it functions, what the program is like and all about. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's really the best place. Uh, excellent. I'll put the details in the show notes so people can just click on the link um, and be directed to you. Uh, thanks again. 
Um, I hope you've enjoyed coming on the show and I hope at some point in the future you come back. Thank you, Paul. I've really enjoyed this conversation and would certainly look forward to having another one. 